I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Let's go out to the North Olmsted Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We are joined by Evan Demerol here on The Fan. Hello, Evan. How are you? Good. You know, I'm thinking about Josh Allen and Sam Darnold at the, uh, at the Masters, and I'm just thinking if I'm that kid, you're excited to see Josh Allen, but you're, like, wondering who the heck's Sam Darnold. Yeah, you ask, the, the kid goes, time. like, hey, hey, Sam, can you take the photo of me and Josh Allen exactly, together? Exactly, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Man, you ever have any of those moments when you hang out with more famous media members than you? I only say more famous because I know that it, I, it happens to me where I'll be with somebody and, uh, and people will definitely ask me to take photos with, like, Adam, for instance, or Dustin or something like that. And I'll be like, yeah, let me go ahead and uh, let, me, let me do that for you. I, no problem. But if you're Sam Darnold, you're like, wait a second. I legitimately was a top 10 NFL pick. I was a quarterback at USC. Like, I'm no scrub here, guys. Like, I'm, like we're good. No, I absolutely agree. I, I can't necessarily relate, but I mean, maybe Chris Manning has sometimes a bit of a paparazzi surrounding him. No, sometimes no, people no, ask no, him to take no, a picture. No. Come on, you're, you're, come on, come on, Evan! Don't do that to yourself now. I kn- I know you're doing that, so later you can replay it back to him, uh, and then you can just make him feel good about himself. That's all that is, Evan. I know, I know what that's what that I, is. I give him, I give him little treats every now and then, just because I, <laughs> I rag, on, I rag on that guy all the time. I give him so much grief that you know, every now and then I gotta be nice. Evan, tell me uh, what is going on with the Bucks today. Are they going to play anybody? I don't really know what's going to happen. I think. It's funny because Giannis said two nights ago, I want to say, or a couple nights ago, that he didn't want to back down from any challenge and he wanted to face the Nets in the first round of the playoffs. But it looks like to me that the Bucks are more than comfortable letting Boston take the two seed if they want to rest everybody. Uh, Drew Holiday has contract incentives. That's the only reason why he's playing today. But other than that, I, I think if you're the Bucks, you maybe want to look at this as, hey, we're the defending champs. We have a legitimate shot to maybe get out of the East, depending on how things fall. If we can avoid Brooklyn, if we can avoid any of these top teams in the Eastern Conference for as long as we can, that's beneficial for them. But I don't really know who is or isn't going to play. I don't think we're really going to find out until Mike Budholz reveals pregame, possibly, or even maybe even Mullins for tips just because that's how Bud operates. But I think it would be beneficial for them to rest. Uh, they're key guys, mostly Giannis, Middleton, Lopez, Bobby Portis, everyone. And heck, rest everyone if you can. But it also helps out the Cavs quite a bit, too, if they were able to do that. Well, Evan, like the playing game and everything attached to it is extremely confusing. It just is. Like, lay it out to me where the Cavs currently are, what, what should we be rooting for, uh, all of this. I've, I had COVID all week, so, like, I've just been sleeping a lot, and I've been trying to catch up and figure everything out with the Cavs and trying to go through the, the web of just 
messiness attached to where the Cavs actually are and should be. Uh, it's just uh, it, it's a lot. It's a lot for me right now, Evan. I'm going to be honest. It's a lot for me. Well, I'm glad you're doing better, but at Thank the same you. time, it is a bit of a mess because I didn't fully understand the format until about a month or two ago because I was convinced that it was like an actual tournament. So seven plays 10, eight plays nine. The winner of seven ten moves on to the playoffs and the winner of eight nine moves on to the playoffs. And again, Chris Vanny, the guy I just gassed up a little bit, it's like, no, seven plays eight. The winner of that game is the seventh seed. And then the loser of that game has to play the winner of the nine ten game for the eighth seed. I'm like, this is just really complicated and way too many steps here. But so rooting wise today, if Cleveland wins, let's put it this way, Brooklyn plays Indiana to finish the year. If you're the Pacers, you're trying to be bad. You want a better draft pick. You also maybe want Cleveland to have an easier chance to make the playoffs because you get their draft pick as well. So maybe you want to help them out too by just letting the Nets walk all over you. And then, so if Cleveland wins today, they're locked into the eighth seed more or less. I don't think Charlotte or Atlanta can catch them win-wise at that point. And then they would go to Brooklyn on Tuesday to play for the seventh seed who – if Cleveland wins that game, um, they would then go to Boston to play in the first round of the playoffs. Or if Brooklyn wins, Brooklyn plays Boston in the first round of the playoffs. And then let's say Cleveland loses that game, then they would play the winner between Charlotte and Atlanta. But if the Cavs lose today and Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Atlanta all win, and Charlotte plays the Wizards and Atlanta plays the Rockets, both two bad teams, so they should have a good chance of winning, especially if they want to try and make the play-in tournament or maybe a playoff push. Cleveland then drops to the 10 seed, and they have to play Charlotte in Charlotte on Wednesday, I believe. And if they win that game, they then play the loser between Brooklyn and Atlanta for the 8th seed. It's really complicated. It's really confusing. But just if the Cavs win today, it's a little less stressful. They have two cracks making the playoffs then instead of having to face this bit of an upward climb, traveling on the road and doing things like that. Because also okay. if they're the eighth seed, they get to host the second playing game. So, I mean, having home court advantage is also a little beneficial as well for the Cavs. Uh, where's the excitement level for a play-in game? It feels like if I would have asked this question two months ago, people have been, like, through the roof excited. Now, because of the injuries and everything attached to this team, it doesn't feel as exciting in the current moment. See, it's a little bit of a tough question. So, I think you could say – it's a little disappointing right now just to watch these injuries take their toll on the Cavs and watch them kind of slide from, gosh, they're like flirting with first place in Eastern Conference at one point this season. So the slide from that to where they're at now, I think you have to say that's disappointing. But like you said, it's also exciting just because Darius Garland said after their loss to Brooklyn the other night that they weren't even supposed to be here. So this is just kind of a new uncharted territory for them to begin with. But I think the general excitement, it's, it's, it's cautiously optimistic because it's a lot of coach speak, but you hear J.D. Vickerstaff say, hey, if our team's fully healthy come play in time or playoff time, that means just having Jared Allen back and just kind of completing this rotation a little bit. Not a lot of teams in the East want to hang with us, us as in J.D. talking about the Cavs. So I think that's a good way to look at it. I think if you get into the play-in, if Allen is back and fully healthy and able to play – you, you, I think you have a puncher's chance in any of these games. I think Brooklyn, for as overwhelmingly powerful as they are offensively, I think they can be beatable if you catch them at the right time and if you have the right mm-hmm. defensive disposition. I think that's a good chance. And I like their chances against Charlotte and Atlanta as well. 
just because they don't have Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving on their roster, which is definitely beneficial in itself. But I think the excitement level is there. I think the disappointment's still kind of sinking in, especially to the team a little bit, just because they're like, oh, my gosh, we we were doing so well, and then just injuries hit at the worst possible time. And then let's just put it this way. If they didn't lose to Orlando the other night, which is still shocking to me that they just completely laid down against the Magic and just gave up, they wouldn't be having this conversation. It wouldn't be so tight. But there is something fun in the fact that all of you two games actually mean something, and the Cavs aren't packing it into the last five or six the rest, guys. Yeah, I mean, it, like that part of it is fun. I, I do wonder how much of it we shouldn't take away. Like, if you don't have the big three, right? If you don't have Allen, Mobley, and Garland on the court, you know, like, should we even look at it the same way? Yes and no. I think it's just no matter what, this is a valuable experience for anybody who's on this roster. Whether it's Allen not on the floor or he is on the floor, he has some playoff experience, so you can take a little bit of that. But for Garland to get this experience, for Mobley to get this, for anybody on this roster not named Kevin Love or Rayshon Rondo to get this experience, like that's beneficial to this team long term. And I think I've always just kind of maintained the stance that this is pie in the sky scenario. I agree with Darius Garland. I was one of those people who did not see the Cavs pulling this off this season. I think if you ask most people in the organization or people outside the organization, they'd call you a liar if you thought this was going to happen to them this year. But it's you got to look at it this way. Like you said, the big three of Mobley, Allen, and Garland is so promising already, and they're all in their early 20s. That is such a good place for the Cavs to be in. You just build around those three. You help them grow. You help them acclimate, and they'll just get better over time. The Cavs could be working their way towards a potential, maybe not dynasty, but like at least a presence in Eastern Conference for the foreseeable future. I mean, we can hope. Evan Demerol joining us here on The Fan. If I said Darius Garland is a top blank player in the East, well, how would you fill out that answer? Oh, that's a tough question just because you have Giannis, you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving's no slouch, MD, Jimmy Butler, Benson, I think you could put him maybe in the top 15 conversation just because this year's been a bit of a coming out party for Darius. And I've noticed over the last, Golly, however long they've just been injured. I mean, it feels so long since Jared Allen went down with a broken finger. But you've watched Darius's game really level up this year in his third year in the league. And, I, again, I don't think anybody expected this kind of leap from him. But, I mean, it's been spectacular to watch. But the thing you're noticing now is something that only elite players can do is just make everybody on the floor better around him. And no disrespect to Moses Brown. He is an NBA-level player, and I am not. I'm just the guy who gets paid to write about Moses Brown for a living. So Darius Garland, though, is making Moses Brown look like a, a, a an NBA-quality center <laughs> when he was okay. floating around in the G League and barely stuck with teams before this. And, like, that says a lot, and only elite-level guys can do that. And I think if he just keeps this growth and this trajectory of his, he could enter that top 10 conversation, maybe this time next year, just depending on how some of these older guys fall off. But his star's rising, and it's rising quickly. Yeah, and he's been so much better since the All-Star break even, you know, averaging 25 points per game. He's just taken it to another level. And the Moses Brown point, I know you didn't want to dog Moses Brown there. You did, like, a very nice job of tap dancing around that. But, like, it's like it's true, though. Like, great players make just seemingly – below average guys become average like you raise yeah. everyone else around you and that's what exactly what he's been able to do with Moses Brown for sure 
Yeah, it's just not him. I mean, Larry Markkinen is having a really hard time adjusting to this new role playing the three, but Darius Garland has made him look more than comfortable. And yeah. I think Larry Markkinen is maybe a better example of this just because Markkinen is a former first-round pick. He played well at times in Chicago. He's played well at times in Cleveland. But, like, he looks comfortable out there because he has an elite point guard who's just reading what the defense is giving them, setting his guys up in the right position. He's playing chess, not checkers out there. And it's just, it's surreal to watch because again, he's only in his early twenties, but the way he kind of carries himself, the way he acts, he has that quiet humility about himself where he, he knows he's the baddest dude on the floor, but he's not going to tell you. He'll just let his game do the talking. And I think this year is the year he put the East on notice. And now Let's see how he backs it up next year. I think about Ricky Rubio when he said, listen, Darius had a pretty good sophomore year. How, what can we do to push him beyond that and make him great? And I'm now curious to see what are you going to do next year to push yourself beyond this year? Uh, does Evan Mobley still win Rookie of the Year, or did he miss too much time in the back end and other guys step up? I think that's tough, but you have to look at the full body of work. And I know a lot of these awards are – who scored the most points for games, usually generally how you get the award. But I think winning should be factored in as well. And no disrespect to Toronto and Scotty Barnes, they've been great. But I, I said this to several people. I think the Raptors are just going to be good no matter what because they're well-coached. They have a lot of good role players. They have a really solid organization. The year in Tampa just feels like an anomaly for them because they weren't home and they're completely out of their element. And maybe they wouldn't have had the opportunity to pick Scotty Barnes if they weren't in Tampa last year. You look at the Cavs, who were picked to finish in the bottom of the Eastern Conference this year. Mm-hmm. Their trajectory completely changed when they drafted Evan Mobley. And this is a weird hypothetical to think about, but let's say Houston takes Mobley and the Cavs take Jalen Green third overall back in the summer. Now, Jalen Green's a very good rookie, too, this year, but not as good as Evan Mobley. And I don't think Cleveland has the season they're having without Evan Mobley on the floor because he's so talented on both ends. And I think you have Allen, who's the defensive superstar. You have Garland, who's the offensive superstar. But Mobley is just that connective tissue that just kind of makes everything work and everything flow. And he makes it so Larry Markin can play the three. He forms a wall with Jared Allen in the paint, so defensively most teams can't really drive on the Cavs to score at the rim as easily. He is able to switch on the perimeter. You're watching his offensive game just blossom over time. And more than anything – he took a pretty bad Cavs team over the last two years and turned him into a playoff team. And I think that speaks volumes to how talented he is. You should award that more than anything. Evan, great stuff, man. Appreciate you and enjoy the game today. All right, man? Thank you, man. Take care. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.